Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right. I could see Damon on our uh, video system getting very nervous. I walked away from the camera. Couldn't see me. Didn't know if the magic was going to happen. Yelling. That's magic on radio. It's here. I perfected it. John Von Tobel's here. Here is Treasure Island. Free self-parking. Free valet. James, I think, took advantage of that. I think John did as well. Damon, up until today, for a couple of days, couldn't take advantage of it. He would have to Uber here or Lyft. But everything is good now. And he's going on a road trip. How? And he's going to do social media. He's flying. Oh, okay. I assume road. Huh. You know, tire meets road. Yes. Of course. Plane ticket cost. Okay. Other things get pushed to the side. If you're the, if you're the person and or entity that is in possession of DeMond's vehicle, and he's a public, you know, he's a public citizen at this point right now. He's famous. Huh. You're listening in and going like, bro. How are we shelling out the ducats for this plane? Mm, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking, well, he's got to pay the bill. I thought you were talking about like, the, the impound lot. I mean, if I could probably work a deal with sales here. We could give you like a week of reads. Ooh. Cut, cut them on a break. Actually, DeMond should probably do it. Not me. Well, you should, should, I, should you should, I? You should probably give the endorsement. Should I help DeMond and... Pay it off for him, but then hold that over his head for however long I need to to get something out of him. We had discussed that yesterday, but <laughs> no, no, on Wednesday. But he, as he first described it, it was multiple car payments. Oh boy! And I was like, yeah, I, right, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I'm pushing past the thousand bucks for you. There's buddy. nothing oh. to worry about, guys. Once my friend pays me back, I'm paying it oh. off. It's fine. That was the other wow. detail. He's he's short on money because someone owes him money. Enough and- to alter the payment on a vehicle. Why you can be shelling out loans like that? To which uh, Adam Hill was like, "Well, that person needs to be driving you around." That's a good point. This if person also lo- doesn't have a car. Oh boy, what was the money for? Who knows? Yeah, come on, guys. Don't let's not get into his loan shark business or whatever he's doing. I you I don't wish. you don't get you don't money or what is it? Uh, family and friends? You know you don't get money involved, man. Can't do it. Because now look at you, man. See, at worst, when I look. I'm not perfect, Damon. I just want to let you know. Back in my days producing Cofield the Company, Steve Cofield would regularly get the when he would call me because I wouldn't pay my phone bill. So it would get shut off pretty regularly. you got to sacrifice some things. You know what's funny, though? I don't think you admitted that to me. I arrived. I have. You did? Oh, I, yeah. I forget. I, yeah. I, just, I, I, mean, just rem- I just remembered you saying often, like, oh, it was off my charger. I forgot it. I'm like, well, that was, I was like, God, this guy with a charger all I mean, the time. That, that was also a bad habit. I would let my phone die a lot. <laughs> Not very good at communication, you know. I'm yes. still pretty bad at it. I still forget from time to time. Mitch, I'm going to text you back. I promise. You texted me last night. I'm getting to, I'm getting to the, the text about James Wiseman. I promise. Yeah, Vison, John is much more mature. I'm a professional, and you've got children. It helps. That's right. It helps whip you into shape, kind of. Although there are times late at night where I sit there and ponder my life. I'm like, holy smokes, I'm in charge of two young souls. You know, I was thinking to you the other night watching, I guess it was the other day, I was walking through uh, somewhere, a sports bar, a casino, and I see up on a TV. Me. Oh, it was Resorts World. I was, no, I, I saw 
your guy Mad Dog Russo just flipping out, like moving towards the camera, screaming, yelling. It's probably Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, whatever. Wednesday, and uh, and I thought about you because because you rip on Mad Dog often, just kind of for yelling all the time and like the the, the bits annoying. And I could see on the show, uh, people are laughing in the background, taking their glasses off, crying. And I thought about your, your critique of him, and it hit me. I'm like, why haven't more sports radio people been featured on all of ESPN's programming? I don't un- I, over the years, I don't understand their love. Like, one of the, the shows that I really don't watch, uh, but I see it you know, at places like this with the sound off, is First Take. And I've never understood this whole deal where they feature writers. Oh, I know. Well, we barely have writers on because most of them suck at radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, but that's the truth. And I'm seeing Mad Dog, who's who. Don't get on me about this. Who is one of the best of all time, and he's got a good act. He really is naturally a lunatic. And I'm like, how many years have they missed out on? And I'm not saying this about me because I'm like a low level ESPN radio person, right? Mm-hmm. But there's so many good sports talk radio hosts around the country who would be wonderful on TV. And especially on the Talking Head shows. And I'm like, and by the way, Mad, Dog, Mad Dog's been on MLB Network on TV for a while, but he's, he's finally getting a chance at like 64 years old. Like, where were you? I don't know. I don't get it. I do. It's pretty simple. What? Look at you and me and Adam and Adam Candy, for that matter. What are you talking about? Looks? Yeah. Look at, look at some of the writers. Soren Petro. I, I, don't, I don't want to go down the... With chubby, okay. Radio guys are ugly. There's a reason why we're on radio. Except for me, I'm national. I'm on television. You know, I've, I've really stepped up my game. But Bob Ryan, Bob Ryan, yeah. Well, he's he's no, old. He's got no teeth. Yeah, he's old though. Woody Page. They're, but you're talking. That's another thing. They're grandfathered in. Literally, I assume they're grandfathers. They're ancient. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna call a woman unattractive. That's gonna be mean. Believe me, if I need to make a list of. So so looking guys on TV who if frankly I are frankly are boring. Make a list. Bad radio guest. Here's the challenge. Mad, the whole point is there are a lot of Mad Dog like people out there who are really wonderful talents, and I think they've missed out on bringing people in. Make a list of a hundred writers, yeah. and then a hundred radio personalities, and then sort them into attractive or unattractive. A vast majority of the radio people are going to be unattractive. Well, how 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 am I ranking this? Because trust me, I can find what I have. So I have to find a hundred writers who've been on ESPN TV. Just writers in general. Oh, I'll I'll find a list. I'll, writers I'll, tend to be nerdy, more slender, right? There's a bunch Dweebs. of fa- there's a bunch of fat loads. Oh, there's a bunch, sure. Just like in any sort of population. Hmm. But writers tend to be more, you know, dweeby. I feel like you're projecting. You're dweeby and you're chubby. Don't loop the rest. I'm the, of the, I'm the best of both worlds. That's why I'm on TV. <laughs> oh, I forgot. That's right. Uh, you and that internet thing with Vsin. Gosh uh, darn it. Uh, and you guys are picked up on a lot of regional YouTube TV. TV, Spectrum LA. <laughs> you know, we can go down the list. All right. I was just trying to make a point that they missed out on Mad Dog for a long time. I'm glad he's doing it. I think he reps radio. Hey, when I'm on really first well. take, times will be changing. Uh, did you see, uh, I guess this was breaking news for a lot of people, that Pat McAfee is paying Aaron Rodgers to come on the McAfee show? So it wasn't. And it's a lot of money. I, I don't know what it is exactly, but it would, he, they were saying McAfee's paying like millions. That's So that's. Generally, in the business, right. there's a lot of people who will charge for spots. Right. Now, some of them are said dweebs who think they're way more important. And I'm like, bro, you work for the Idaho Statesman. I'm not paying you to come on the show. I'll go somewhere right. else. 
Um, but there are tons of stations around the country that have a budget for insiders, yes. and they pay you know, up to four, five, sometimes ten. Um, athletes who are just getting out of sports a lot of times uh, or you know, just into broadcasting, they try to charge. I think Jalen Rose tried to charge us like $5,000 for a spot ten years ago. I mean, that money's reserved um, for me. That's what I get yeah. every hit. Yeah. But this, this is a common thing in sports talk radio. It's just that Aaron Rodgers is still playing. Listen, Jordy Nelson and his rep came to – listen, Jordy Nelson and his rep came to uh, Lotus. They were discussing, hey, let's do a player show, and it was, it was going to be like 50000 for the season, which is not a million dollars, north of a million dollars, but still, yeah. it's like, all right, so that's like three, $4,000 a spot throughout the season, 3000 I don't know why you told me to listen twice. I was listening. Well, I know. I, I, th- I, th- I was like, let me just finish that point. Sorry. No, you're I cut right. you off all the time, but I wanted to make sure the audience heard that players getting paid is not uncommon. It's the amount of money – which I think says a lot about McAfee, that he cares a lot about his show. I think a lot of times he, he's making so much money that he's, he's willing to dole it out. He, I think he's a generous guy. I mean, it, it seems like it. Um, you know, there was a, he put up a great photo of, I think it was the week before their first show at ESPN. He took his whole crew out to dinner at what seemed to be a very fancy restaurant because they had very tiny utensils. Um, that's my assumption and observation. <laughs> um, but I think where, if you're going to call it criticism and or shock comes from, it's two things. It's the millions, right? So you're paying him millions. Yeah. The other is the content you're getting for the millions, hmm. which is it's not insanely insightful. It's thin-skinned Aaron Rodgers who's willing to take shots at everybody like Travis Kelsey, but not well, willing to Mr. take Mr. Pfizer stuff is dynamite. Yeah. And, and Kel- that's, Kelsey won't take the bait. But. And that's the other part about it, too. A lot of people do feel that he has paid millions to do this and then spew nonsense, for lack of a better term. Okay. And that's where I think some of the conversation around it comes yeah. from. Well, in the end, I mean, the money he pays is up to him. If he feels oh, yeah. like it's worth a lot. But people also, I think this is also a fair point. It is kind of interesting that ESPN, remember a few years back, brought in Barstool and that whole brand and felt like, ah, oh, I don't know about this. But, like, McAfee's Barstool light. With the people he brings in, their topics, how they handle things, yeah, all sorts not, of stuff. Not as misogynist. The, right. His and brand isn't built on that. And that's part of it. I think ESPN's more like, oh, that, this, is a, this is a palatable version of, of what we were looking for with Barstool. But I think that's where the conversation stems from. It's you're paying him millions to kind of spew some weird nonsense. Damon? Couldn't agree more, but Pat McAfee, he did also say that since his company has grown in its valuation from being like valued over half a billion dollars... 500 million he said hey why wouldn't i help out a guy who's helped uh, essentially i don't know if, uh, how much aaron Rodgers has helped build it but you know people would tune in for that spot so i don't have a problem with them paying for it like you said people always pay here in the er- in the earliest regime of raider nation radio hunter renfro had a had a paid spot it was sponsored but somebody was paying hunter renfro to come on raider nation radio once a week so yeah it's just the business but aaron Rodgers is really uh He's not doing anything. He's not bringing anything. And someone also pointed out A.J. Hawk, he just always sits there. And now I'm also curious, what does he add to the show? He smokes mm-hmm. cigars and laughs from what I've watched. Actually, you know, I shouldn't be saying this. Pat, you do a great show. Yeah, there you go. I don't know. What are you doing? I mean, Pat, hey, as one national guy to another, you do great. And, I'm, you know, I'm, you, I'm, willing, uh, I'm willing to listen, buddy. Yeah, you and Adam Hill. <laughs> the difference is uh, competing uh, for a spot. The difference is uh, one of us has been on a uh, McAfee production once or twice. So, wow, the ego on this guy. It's good. It's good stuff. Good to hear. All right, we got 
I think an argument on the way, and we don't plan arguments, but John, set up what's going on with Jerry Judy the last couple of weeks. Bickering. Well, people come at him, and then he, he refuses to not fight back. And who was the latest person who came after him? And then Judy was like, nah. Steve Smith Sr., former wide receiver, had something to say about him. Steve Smith Sr. tried to approach him about it. And like you said, Jerry Judy was like, nah, dude. You have some, I, don't, I don't appreciate what you have to say to me. I want nothing to do with you. And that just rubbed Steve Smith Sr. the wrong way. I called out to him because I, on my podcast, Cut To It, I just talked about guys that maybe have not um, showed up in a way or in a manner. And so the word that I've used uh, to describe him in the past was a jag, just a guy. And so when I saw him, he's playing well. I wanted to say to him face-to-face, like, hey, I know I said some things in the past I probably shouldn't have, and I'm sorry. That's what I wanted to say to him. His response, Mike Rob and Bucky, was ninja. Ninja? Yes, I'm using the word ninja. That's, I'm just using the word ninja. I don't mess with you. And it was, a, it was a curse word. And so I was like, all right, and then he repeated it. So I'll say it again. I'm sorry that I said you were a jag, just a guy who's an average wide receiver that you use a first-round pick on that isn't doing anything. I hope today that you actually show up in a way that you haven't showed up in the last couple of years since they mm-hmm. drafted you. So if you ever got a problem with Agent 89, I'm sorry for saying that you're an average wide receiver that they eventually will move on. And when teams call me and ask him, should they trade for you, I will say no. Don't trade for Jerry Judy because he's mentally unable to handle constructive criticism from people who watch specifically, can he be a wide receiver? He could be a wide receiver. He's a tier three. Go back into the studio. I'm done now. Thank you. Wow. Okay. So there you go. Steve Smith taking the high road. Okay, first off. Took the high road. If my GM's calling Steve Smith for evaluations on trades, I'm firing him immediately. Why? Stop. He's an all-time great wide receiver. That's why he's working in a front office somewhere. Maybe he doesn't want to work in a front office. You don't think they? You don't think GMs lean on former players who aren't working for an organization? I mean, maybe he's got a valued opinion. Sure, maybe if you actually have personal interactions with the guy, if you're close with him, work out with him. Judy's behavior suggests that he is not capable of handling criticism. But here, grow up, stop again, punching down. Pretty much everything on social media is punching down. You're wasting your freaking time. When someone comes up to sort of apologize to you, just. Move on. Let it go. I mean, that's that's easy. He's not he's not productive. He's shown to be immature in the past. Sure. I mean, you know, he's not playing well most of the time, and he is putting himself in jeopardy. And maybe there's a, G- a GM dumb enough to give him whatever the going rate is for a top ten guy, fifteen million plus. Uh, that guy, that GM, should be fired if he does that. Right. I mean, all of the criticisms are valid, but I also think it's valid as a guy who's probably. I would assume at one point looked up to Steve Smith if you're a wide receiver in today's day and age, probably watching him play. Who We've talked about this dynamic a lot. Like Former players sometimes are the harshest and most out-of-line critics of current players. But the thing is, it's multiple former players. So it was Rod Smith, who's older right. than Steve Smith, and it's Philip Lindsay, who's just out of the game, and he had a problem with them as well. Sure, but... And then, I, whatever. But the degree to which they had those criticisms of him, right? Like, do we know exactly what they were? Because if you're not comfortable with the way that you're being talked about, like, yeah, I'm not, man, I'm not going to mess with you. It's, it's just that simple. I don't understand that oh, Steve Smith really cooked here. Like, did he? Because I would say that Steve Smith also came off as somewhat petulant there. Duman? 
I think that Steve Smith was really trying to hold his composure because let's say as a former player, if you would have said that to Steve Smith on the field before a game, mm-hmm. maybe something pops off. But he's got to be the guy that's, hey, I'm an, I'm an analyst now. I work for NFL Network. I feel the anger was not only are you disrespecting me, and JVT, you mentioned it with former players, or just because someone is a, a former all-pro player that you have to take any criticism that he says as, it's, as, as if it's gospel. But he's saying, hey, man, I'm just trying to give you a little compliment. And I've been in those situations. You try to give somebody a compliment, and they diss the compliment that you're already trying to give them. Wait, but so now not- you're feeling disrespected. I feel the disrespect that Steve Smith was feeling here. But okay, so first off, it wasn't a compliment. He was apologizing for the things he had said about it. That's him. basically a compliment. That's it's not the definition of a compliment, anyway, shape or form. Um, and and also, like the thing, it was so so in this instance, Steve Smith deserves respect for that. But Jerry Judy doesn't deserve at least valid criticism and not being called terms that he probably doesn't appreciate. Is like, he not just a jag? Is he not a jag? I mean, if he doesn't like it, then no, you don't call him those things. They, because there's a difference between valid criticisms and where some people feel maybe that you cross the line. And Judy probably feels like Stephen, Stephen, uh, Steve Smith, I was going to call him <laughs> Stephen A. Smith, crossed the line to a certain extent. I mean, by the way, Steve Smith feels like he crossed the line because he went to apologize to him. He felt a little guilty. Right. And then it was validated that, no, he doesn't need to feel guilty. He is just another guy who is a child. And but I'll just I'll throw this in there. Well, I'll ask you guys, based on Steve Smith's reputation, what is he, 44 years old? Something like that. If, if Judy said to F off and got in his face, how quickly would Steve Smith kick his ass? Keep in mind, Jerry Judy's, what, 2026? Was it Steve Smith and uh, Andre Johnson were those ones that got fight? No, 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 because that was no. corner wide receiver. That was somebody else. That was Corlin Finnegan. Yeah, 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 that was a good one. My man. I know uh, Steve Smith during a film session in a dark room, I think in two. Thousand no okay. two th- two thousand two thousand one or two, just annihilated one of the practice squad players. I mean, he was a young buck at that point. Um, but yeah, wasn't there an interaction with Michael Irvin and Steve Smith where, and Michael Irvin's kind of jacked and he's like fifteen years older, but Steve Smith's a dangerous guy. He's given up a couple of pounds and inches to Michael Irvin too. Oh, of course, Steve Smith's not. He's as we know him. He's probably not one to back down. Yeah, which I guess I guess. Pat on the back for, just, for, for Jerry Judy, maybe, maybe maybe threatening a guy or angering a guy who could pop off on him. I, I approach this, the way I'm looking at this is, as I've said before on the show, I, I, I pride myself to a certain extent. Anything I would say here, I would be comfortable saying to the face of the person that we were talking about. And so Steve Smith felt like in that moment he said something that he had to go apologize for. Mm-hmm then it is understandable that Jerry Judy would then say, nah, man, like, I don't appreciate it. I'm not going to mess with you. And so for that to then turn into, like, no, you got to respect him. Well, clearly, even Steve Smith thought he wasn't respecting Jerry Judy that went past a certain mark. So why all of a sudden should he, to use a Game of Thrones term, bend the knee in that instance? Want a good – Demond? Oh, I was going to say because someone who is better at what you're doing, someone that's better at the profession than you – is just trying to extend a little bit of courtesy. Maybe if he realizes he did step over the line, hey, I apologize. And for you not to accept the apology, it's just disrespectful. I mean, I've had somebody in the industry who thinks they're better than me, and at the time was because I was a lowly producer, and I'm not backing down. But if that person came back and said, hey, man, you're not as bad as I thought you was, he wouldn't be like, yeah, okay. No, he would be like Judy. <laughs> I would 120%. <laughs> yeah. John would be like Judy. Like, no. 
I don't mess with you. Um, I don't let me give you another example of someone... Well, someone kind of being uh, threatened and saying, you know what, go blank yourself. Did you see this stuff with George Kittle? No. I saw the shirt and how he got fined. So he had the, the F off T-shirt or uh, what, F the Cowboys F T-shirt. Dallas, yeah. F Dallas. He got fined like $13,000. And he then gave a quote afterwards, and he's like, I would do it again. Heck yeah. I love it. That's a shirt. The NFL is so soft. They're so PR conscious. Can't say the F word. Even though it's uttered every five seconds in their locker room. And here's the other thing. He said, I will, or I would, I would do it again. Here's what he needs to do. Don't pay the first time. What's the NFL going to do? Let's go. Suspend him? That'd be incredible. Because here's the thing. We read a story over the summer, lengthy story, about John Gruden and the NFL and Gridell. You remember the note in that story? Gruden paid his fine. He saw Sean Payton whenever, and Payton's like, I never paid him. Payton just didn't pay. Really? Yep. I don't know what the fine was for. Maybe it was going back to Spygate. Bountygate? Or uh, Bountygate, I'm yeah. sorry. Bountygate. He's like, he laughed at Gruden. He's like, I, I didn't pay him. I didn't pay him. Wow. That's a good point. Actually, you know what? I'm down with this. I, am I going to incriminate myself here? I am. I'm willing to do it. Do it. UNLV, I'm not paying you that $40 for that ticket you gave me six months ago. Uh, that doesn't work. What? What do you mean? Because the, they just keep accruing. Oh, it does? Some extra money. Oh, crap. Yeah. Let's see if they ever get it. Wow, look at this. He's they don't know where to find me. He's, he's inspired. A lot of tough talk these last 20 minutes from John Von Tobel. That's right. A lot of arrogance, TV talk, radio people are ugly. I mean, that's uh, a fact. Okay. That's a fact. Sports radio specifically. And when you get into the FM DJ thing, then, then you start to get more attractive people. Wow, you're saying you're, this is this blasphemous action. Have you seen some of the lo- some of the local FM DJs are beautiful? Uh, I've seen one of them who does a sports show on Wednesdays from two to three. How's that working out? Come on. He drives a BMW. I mean, Doug does. That's incredible. Doug does not. Oh, attractive, huh? There's some beautiful FM DJs out there. You got to, because you're you're the face of the network. <laughs> there is no there is no ugly face of a network anywhere. We're going to uh, look at the rundown of games on Sunday. We'll give out some leans and likes coming back, and then we'll have a primer for uh, Reno and UNLV. Fremont Cannon is on the line, so we'll get to that around 545. Stick with us. Live show here at Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside TI Vegas, 55-plus TVs. Excellent menu. I love the Loco Moco, the Southpaw Tenders, Dynamite. We talked about those last week. And uh, now they've added carne asada fries to the menu. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Back here on a Friday, Cofield and Company. We got a 10-7 game with Tulane and Memphis. About a minute left before the half. Uh, Tulane... 
one of the better group of five teams. The current agreement, Damon, still has the top group of five team invited to a New Year's Day game, right? One of the uh, six bowl games. What if I told you that Air Force could go unbeaten and be that team? Crazy for a yes. team that, that runs 72 times a game and throws four in this era. Do you think there would be some pushback that the Mountain West isn't that good of a conference? Well, it doesn't matter. By rules, the highest-ranked group of five team gets a an invite. So Tulane was the team last year. Now, the, 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 it's not about the criticism of a conference or Air Force as a program. Where's Air Force ranked? I don't even know. See, because that, maybe that could be the politics there. I mean, I guess that is the important thing, but we don't have a, we actually don't have the CFP rankings out yet. Yeah, sorry, I'm not a I'm not big on the college football rankings. I don't I don't even like the CFP, but we got to follow it. Uh, AP top twenty five with all the votes. What do we got? You better show the votes. You better show nope, they know the votes. Um, yeah, there is no group of five team if I'm correct in the top twenty five. Quick scan, uh, no one. So, now that'll change. And everything changes, obviously, in a couple more weeks with the CFP coming out. Uh, others receiving votes, Damon, and audience. In the AP Top 25. Wyoming, right now, is actually the highest-ranked team, and they play each other this weekend. So, Wyoming's got 42 votes. Air Force has 41. Tulane has 27. Uh, James Madison has 7. And uh, Fresno was previously the high, but they lost to Wyoming. So, I don't know. I think it'd be neat. Um, I want to see UNLV compete more than compete. But first thing is competing and stopping the run against Air Force and taking them out. Although that's a tough spot. I think that's on November 18th up there. So, who knows what the weather's going to be like. So, a lot going on. I saw UNLV had a 6% chance uh, by one metric of, <coughs> pardon me, uh, winning the Mountain West Conference, obviously they were well behind Air Force, which was at like 26%. So let's look at the NFL as we uh, go through the rundown. You ready to make some picks? I'm ready. Another game in London. Hoorah. Titans and Ravens. Ravens four and a half. What do we do with the Ravens? I think people need to back off Lamar for a little bit, first of all. You know, because he, he did nothing wrong in that Steeler game, even though he did throw that interception. But this game here against the Titans, it's in London. Both teams, it's, you know, not their first trip across the pond as a franchise maybe, but, you know, they don't have the issue that the Bills had where the Jags had the week to stay, and then they get in on Friday, Friday morning. But four and a half, a little too high, I think the Titans cover. I agree. I, would, I don't want to play the game at all, but I would take the Titans plus the points. Falcons and... Commanders. So Falcons got a win last week. Late field goal against the Texans. Still don't love the quarterback situation at all. So I think they're two average to below average teams. I'll, I'll, I'm going to take the uh, Commanders plus two and a half. I don't want to have to agree with you here because, you know, you got to have a little back and forth. But, yeah, Commanders as well. You're going to fire on the Bears plus three against the Vikings? I mean, Steve. Your guy, Justin Fields? I mean, you don't have, just because you have a bet on Justin Fields doesn't mean you have to bet him every week. No, 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 no. 
I'm taking the Bears. Okay. I am actually going to go with the Vikings, which seems a bit crazy, especially without Justin Jefferson. But I believe that Cousins is good enough to make up for the loss of a great, great player. But uh, the Vikings have been there. Uh, this is where the schedule gets easier. And uh, I don't think they're going to win 10 games anymore with the start. But I, I still think the Vikings, as long as Cousins is around, can be a solid team that's going to be a pain in the ass for lots of opponents. Uh, we talked Bengals and Seahawks earlier. Um, we also mentioned Browns and Niners. Uh, again, to, to remind everyone, DTR will not be the starter. Deshaun Watson is down. Now they're going to go to P.J. Walker. I don't blame him. Dorian Thompson-Robinson wasn't great in his first try as a starter. Niners minus 10 on the road, though. Are they that? I mean, I keep saying every week, are they that good? And then they whacked the Cowboys last week. I'm just a dog player, so I'll take the Browns plus 10. I am laying the 10 with the 49ers. Yes, they are that good. Saints and Texans. I think we've all been playing against Derek Carr consistently, and he hasn't actually played that well, but their defense is so good. I think number one in points per game allowed, top five in uh, rush defense and pass defense. So I'm actually going to lay the points. I can also see even, you know, C.J. Stroud's got out to a good start, but I can also see the league starting to catch up with him a little bit. You know, scouting is a massive deal. It always has been, but it's a massive deal in finding the warts and the weaknesses. So I think C.J. Stroud's going to just back down a little bit in terms of his play, so I'll take the Saints a great defense on the road. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you there where maybe his play not figures him out, but that Saints defense has just looked phenomenal, clearly keeping them in games. And Derek Carr, he just cares about winning, so you know he's fine with it either way. Are we ready for the Jaguars to blow someone out? The Colts. But now it's Minshew Mania back in because uh, Richardson's down for multiple weeks on IR. You trust the Jags laying four? I don't know why you wouldn't. Yeah, I trust them, but listen, they're not blowing anybody out here, Steve. Minshew Mania, the same <laughs> way that you feel better about the Giants with Tyrod Taylor, the uh, center, I think that's how people should feel with the Colts with Minshew. All right, most not going to win, but you know. Most important game. I am taking the Raiders. I do think the Patriots are just awful. I generally don't overreact. I think most teams are, you know, pretty decent. At least, you know, the, the league to me is kind of bunched between six wins and ten wins. But this is a really bad team right now, and I don't know how much hope they have. I'm not saying they're not playing hard, but they've got to be really devastated with the way they played, especially the last two weeks. It's been terrible. So I'm, I'm going to lay it with the Raiders, two and a half. Um, I, you know, it's, I would like to know, do you think the Patriots fans are going to travel in a season this bad? And they were able to come last season? Maybe not. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny. If the Raiders can take advantage of this game and still be somewhat in range of nine or ten wins later in the season, they, they really, I think I've mentioned this before, their schedule of teams coming in before the season looked like a freaking bear because all... Not all. A lot of the teams that were coming in have rabid fan bases that were going to travel. And, I mean, do you believe the Giants are going to travel? Giants fans are going to travel later in the season? Do you believe the Jets fans? Maybe, depending on what the Jets are. But right now it looks like Patriots fans and Giants fans probably won't travel, not to the tune of taking over the stadium to 50-50 point. Yeah, it'll, still, it'll just be the fans that, hey, it's an experience in Vegas for the weekend, but not the people that say, hey, yeah, like you said, it's maybe 50-50. Every game is probably going to be 50-50, but not like how we saw with the Steelers or what we saw with the 49ers last year. And I, real quick, 
because Adam said it, they said it on the press box, where the Raiders, not that they're better than people think, there are a lot of bad teams that they've got to face on this schedule, and someone's got to win these games. I like that. I like that rationale. Someone's got to win these games, so I'll lay the two and a half. Yes. That was enthusiastic. I like it. Uh, Rams and Cardinals. Am I buying into the Cardinals too much? I'm going to take them plus a seven. I just don't think the Rams are, again, the Rams are one of these teams that could win six. If everything works out, maybe they go way over their win total and win nine or ten, but I, I don't trust them laying seven. I think that the same way you said that teams are starting to figure out C.J. Stroud, I think that the Cardinals are going to start to get figured out soon, that people are going to realize that maybe it was just a flash in the pan those first couple of weeks with your boy, no, JVT's boy, Josh Toffs, looking so awesome and incredible. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Rams here. Jets-Eagles? You want the Jets plus six and a half? No. No. I'll lay it with the Eagles. Man, the Jets, I don't believe, you know, it was fun for a week. Zach Wilson, he's getting the win, but, you know, trying to come back to reality. This is a terrible bet because the Jets can run and play defense, but Zach Wilson is so unpredictable, makes so many bad throws. He got away with a bunch of them last week. So, yeah, I, I think the Eagles can win by 10 to 13. Although the, the fear is Philly does play a kind of a grinder game. They're not a super high-scoring team right now, but, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not taking the 6.5 with the Jets. And then the Giants and the Bills. So Daniel Jones is out. Left tackle Andrew Thomas is out. Uh, the point spread effect of Daniel Jones versus his backup, Tyrod Taylor, is zero. I, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever heard of this where there's not some drop-off some point spread differential, and I brought it up earlier, and, and John kind of, he didn't melt down, but he was saying the uh, the contract is really shouldn't be concentrated on, but it is pretty incredible that Daniel Jones, making $40 million a year, is backed up by a guy in Tyrod Taylor, and there's no drop-off. And in some ways, well, I, I can't even say that. I was going to say maybe Taylor's more equipped to deal with a, a bad offensive line, but Daniel Jones can move. He just doesn't move early enough. So, long story short, I'm not playing this game. I don't have a lean or a like. How about that? We don't have to pick every game. But, I mean, 15 in the NFL is crazy. So I'll stay away. Steve, it may be crazy. <laughs> but the Giants are bad. I don't think it's very easy, very easily that the Bills could win this. I know 15 is the real kicker there. But I don't see why they couldn't beat them by two touchdowns. Show today is brought to you by Battle Warren Injury Lawyers. 766-1400 is the number. Make sure uh, if you're in Reno and still listening to the stream, you get out of 775 in the north, but they have offices in Reno and Las Vegas. And Henderson will wrap it up, talking about the game up north against Reno. See if uh, UNLV can hold on to the Fremont Cannon. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Damon, when do you leave for Reno for the battle for the Fremont Cannon? Early in the morning. I should really check this. But, you know, it's around, I think it's 7, 8. <laughs> yeah, you might want to check it. <laughs> you don't want to miss that one. Uh, hook up with Caleb Herring. I think he's uh, got a breakfast spot picked out. Uh, big game on the way. Feels like you know the roles are reversed here. Um, 
UNLV's gone into a lot of these games as the you know the a big dog, and now they're the favorite out to this good start. And Reno's riding a 15-game losing streak. We're going to hear from Tiger Shanks in a second, the starting right tackle on the rivalry. But you know, one of the really cool stories on this team is a guy who was almost out of college football, Juco Jacob De Jesus, and UNLV came in. They got a guy who's super fast, great, like a really a really dangerous top 10 threat on kickoff returns and uh, every week Caleb Herring does a feature called Under the Helmet and he talked to De Jesus who's a really big family guy and uh, this part of the clip or the interview he talks about his uh, sports playing background in high school. You know basketball even though you know I'm very short man I love basketball I love playing I played all four years of high school or actually I played three years of high school I played my freshman year sophomore year I took a break my junior year to focus on training for football and then after my senior year football season, I was like, man, I need to go back, you know, to play basketball. Started as a point guard and stuff. So, you know, basketball is a big, big sport for me. And I also grew up playing baseball my whole life. Uh, I stopped in high school to focus on track because I thought that would help me better for football, you know, better prepare me, you know, speed-wise for football. So then I ran track. I ran track, you know, growing up in middle school and elementary school and stuff like that too. But uh, I really started taking it more serious once I got to high school. So your track definitely came in handy uh, early on in the season when people were getting to know you. And with this play in particular, I want you to take a listen to this and I'm going to have you react to it afterward. At the goal line as the kick comes to DeJesus at the 2 to the 10. Right turn to the 15 to the 20. Got a little room. 25, 30. He's got a seam. 40, 45, 50. He may go. He's at the 30. De Jesus to the 20, to the 10, to the 5. And he's brought down at the 2-yard line. Oh, he came so close. Man. You shake your head, man. What was going through your mind? Man, dude. I thought I was going to make it, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get in that box, trying to get in that end zone, man. Trying to do everything I can. I saw the guy coming. I looked at the jumbo jumbotron and I seen seen dude behind me coming. So I started trying to veer to the left. But man, he caught me, man. I guess track didn't I guess track didn't help me, man. All those years. Everybody was like, man, how do you get caught, man? You know, two yards away. And then everybody was like, man, you that would have been the first kick return in 20 years, something like that. I'm like, man, I man. That would have been yeah. great, man. I, I know I was jumping up and down in the press box thinking you got it. I thought you were going to get it, man. But man, I, a great I, I moment, did great moment. Yeah, it definitely was, man. That that shout-out to Coach Shebus and the the whole kickoff return team, man. Always, you know, I think the scheme that we have drawn up each week, you know, is really good. And I think Coach Shebus is one of the best special teams coaches in the country, man. And that's something that we pride ourselves on uh, this year at UNLV is just – you know, we're really big on special teams and it's, you know, because we know it's really important when it comes to the game, man. It's the third third aspect of the game. Um, so, you know, Coach Sheba is a really good coach and I'm glad that he, they have that me back there trusting me. But, you know, I just owe that all to Coach Sheba and his plan and all of the blockers on kickoff return, man, because, you know, I think I, I like to say anybody could have been back there and did that because the blocking was just the blocking was just amazing on that play. Yeah, he's selling himself short. That was Jacob De Jesus, who's been a special teams ace on kickoff returns. He's been a very productive wide receiver. That was a 97-yarder that just fell short of being a touchdown. The call there from Learfield and uh, Russ Langer, and I don't think anyone had a chance to tell Jacob. I have to look up the guy's name again, but uh, the guy who caught him on Bryant was actually, um, 
I think, first or second in the state in high school in Florida in the 100 meter. So he was going against another track athlete who was able to catch him. And uh, he was close, but he, he's a really good guy. And make sure you go up to uh, at Caleb Herring underscore, at UNLV All Access, at Steve Cofield, and you can see the whole interview, really lengthy interview, a lot about family and his uh, his now fiance and his child. It was He's, he's a really big family guy. He's a really nice kid. And you know what? Shout out to the 5859 guys, right? Mm-hmm. Come on. Who play basketball, right? We can do it. We can do it. I can't do it anymore, but we can do it. I said this last night because I was playing basketball over at UNLV. I'm just a post trapped in a 5'5 body. <laughs> you, got, you got the Mikhail, uh Tim Duncan back down off the glass. Oh, man. Step up and under. My fadeaway off the left block, unstoppable. Okay. Unless a 6'5 guy is covering you, then it gets a little tougher. Um, speaking of 6'5 guys, Tiger Shanks is the starting right tackle. He hasn't given up a sack this year. He's given up very uh, very few pressures from the right side. And he's been in, in, uh, involved in this rivalry for a while, and that's how he started out this clip. And his interview that will be heard on the uh, Ted Weens pregame show as he talks here about his history in the rivalry against UNR. So this is my third time playing against Reno in my career here. And, yeah, it's a gritty rivalry. It really is. I mean, I remember the first time we played them, it was my redshirt freshman year, and we got blown out at their place. So that really left a bad taste in my mouth. Like, it was – that, like, really put a – lit a fire for the next year, you know. And even the next year, was it was still a hard-fought game, you know, really gritty game. Back and forth to the end, um, we had our Doug go down early and – a lot of adversity struck, so, I mean, I'm just excited for this next one, you know, next opportunity to go beat Reno. Well, you, can ask for. you guys have won three or five in the rivalry. You have been part of all five, but yeah. um, often the story is one team is a little bit down and the other team is doing well, and now it's kind of reversed a little bit here. So uh, you talked about staying focused. I mean, this, this, is, this is a massive game for them. they got this long winless streak. I'm sure their coach is feeling it. Uh, again, kind of, you know, telling the, the guys on the team, like, they, they could rise up and play their best game of the year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just watching film on their team, they've had a tough schedule the first six games, first five games. So it's like their record isn't really indicative of how good I think they actually are. You know, their their film is better than what their record says, um, which I think is a message that we're trying to get across to everyone. Like, you can't take them lightly. This is a huge game for us. Just as much as it is for them, it's a huge game for us. So just keep grinding, keep practicing hard. That's what, what's been the message, I think, this week. Yeah, UNLV's had such a tough time making a bowl game, uh, and now it's moving towards 10 years here. They cannot afford to be looking ahead or thinking that Reno is not good, and they're not great, uh, but they have played a really good schedule to the tune of, I think, opponents are 27-5. and five. Combined, but you can't let this one slip. If the goal is bowl game and beyond, that mistake cannot happen. Uh, picks on this game so far: I chose twenty-six twenty UNLV. Caleb Herring went with thirty-eight sixteen, and uh, Kevin Kruger was having some fun yesterday, and I think he picked forty-two thirteen. So, what do you expect him on? I'm going to say thirty-eight twenty-one. Hmm. I think it's going to be a lot closer. I think UNLV is going to have a tough time in the first half. I think Reno is going to come out spitting fire, uh, and UNLV is going to, you know, sort of adjust to the environment because there are, as we said, uh, in all 
all 50 of the new players won't be on this road trip, but there's going to be you know three dozen of them who are there, and it's going to be a wake-up call because I know it doesn't – for people around the country who are like, ah, Nevada, UNLV, what's the big deal? It is – it's nasty, man, and Reno fans really get into it. So I'm curious to see who comes out playing better early in the game. So this is our grab bag portion of the show. You don't have to go in the bag. You sent over something that's interesting. I can't believe you did this. You said you're getting Taylor Swift fatigue? Yes, Steve. I didn't think it was going to happen to me. <laughs> but after last night, you know what I think it is? Her, her cozying up to Brittany Mahomes a little too much. Mm. Where it's like, now now it's fake. Now it's not genuine. When you're celebrating with Mama Kelsey, it's like, oh, okay, you know. Yeah. But now it's, they're trying to find the cameras. Of all the wags on the team, I I don't know. Does, does Brittany Mahomes just get... Is she knighted in for, hey, my husband is the best player in the league, so I get dibs on Taylor Swift? What if Taylor Swift has something more in common with the backup wide receiver's wife or something? We don't know. Maybe Lindsay and Magnum will hit this tomorrow. Throw the flag is back tomorrow, 9 a.m., here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Raiders coverage on Sunday. You can hear it on Raider Nation Radio 920 and also Comp 92.3. And the pregame show for UNLV starts Right here on ESPN Las Vegas at 1 o'clock. And don't forget, it is televised. It is televised. That Ted Wien's pregame show will go 1, kick off at 2. And uh, we'll have it on Silver State Sports and Entertainment Network. Matt Neverett is on the call for that one. Cox 125.